buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. What is happening, sales hustlers? Welcome to another episode. I've got a special guest for you today. I know that we're going to have a ton of fun. And we're going to be talking about the fact that it's not all about you. Whether you're an individual contributor, whether you're a sales leader, that is what we are going to dig into today. And I've got Emily Shaw, who is a sales coach at Lucian. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm pumped to be here. All right, let's let's get right into it. We're going to keep the good stuff uh, most of our time to talk about this topic that I know you're fired up about. Yeah. Uh, but just give us the sh- super short version of your sales story to kind of set the table, and then we'll just jump right in. Super short version of my sales story. That's a lot of S's. Yeah. Um, so I was selling um, event coordinating sort of stuff um, while I was in college for my psychology degree. Uh, and then I hopped over to selling office furniture, which is an obvious transition. Um, mm. <laughs> and I loved what I did, was not super passionate about chairs. Um, There's a lot loved... of different types of chairs, too. There and are some of them are different... very expensive. <laughs> yes, I sold the most expensive ones, um, but loved my clients. And when I found out that there was a role where I could blend my love of selling and my love of psychology and be a sales coach, consultant, trainer, um, yes, sign me up. Where do I go? How do I how do I get this done? So that's it. Mm, okay. So tell me a little bit about like anything that you learned in those first two sales roles that just kind of uh, formed this passion for sales for you or that has just kind of stuck with you. Uh, from the very beginning. What did I learn in my first two? I don't, I am old, Colin. I don't know what I learned that long ago. Um, I think it was really just that the people part was, was the best part. Mm. Um, What I learned early on was that the questions that I asked out of genuine curiosity with no destination or outcome in mind facilitated the best conversations that I had with my clients. And that is something that will probably roll into the topic that we're talking about today that I'm still very passionate about. Um, But I'd say that's really what I've honed my craft around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And and I love that you bring up that topic because uh, I've worked with a lot of salespeople in, in, in my time as well. And I found that the most successful people are the people that are just genuinely curious 
because mm-hmm. they ask the best questions. They take the relationship to uh, a different place that people who are really making it more about them and not as curious and not asking better questions um, tend to really struggle with building a nice, healthy pipeline um, yeah. or sh- end up shoving a lot of deals that don't belong in the pipeline in the first place, which is a whole nother topic that we can that dig is, into. I'm really passionate about that one too. We can talk about whatever you I figured you were. I, I figured you were. You're just like a total <laughs> sales nerd like myself. Yep, yep, you know, yep. there's a lot of salespeople that are you know great at what they do and but then they, there's a lot of people who only like certain parts of the sales process. I like all of it. Like I will cold call for five hours a week still to this day. And it actually pisses me off when people post these things of like, never make a cold call or the cold or the phone is dead and all these things are like, I enjoy that. That makes me mad too. So, I love that part so of the sales process. So far we haven't thought yet about anything which you told me we could do. I'm going I'm to find something, but that is not the thing. Mm. I totally agree with that as well. Yeah, we'll um, find it. We got plenty of time. We'll find something <laughs> to, to hash it out about maybe. Possibly. We'll see. You got to stay tuned to figure it out. So, um, all right. So tell me this. So you, you love the part of the people. I wish I would have learned that early on. I was, I I was taught so many bad habits early on, like all the things, all the reasons that people hate salespeople. Like I was taught all those things, Yeah. (laughs) you know, uh, treating people very transactionally, making it all about me talking about features and benefits and all of this and (laughs) throw out an offer. And, and then, you know, throw out another offer and, you know, build some fake phony rapport and change the subject and throw out another offer. And like, that was what I was taught. Oh man. Yeah. That sounds like a nightmare. No offense. I'm sure you've come a long way. (laughs) I've I've come a little, yeah, I've come a little further along since then. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, you know, and, and there's still a lot of that stuff that's still taught today, which really pisses me off. Um, but you know, part of it is like, there's, there's a lot of resources out there. So if you're not getting the support or inside your organization, like there's a lot of free resources, like getting outside help, like there's a lot of things that you can do to take advantage to, you know, get better at the craft of sales. And so I'm a big believer of like taking ownership in your own personal professional development and not solely relying on, you know, whatever resources you have inside of your organization. Yeah. That's a great point. Uh, my previous company, when we were talking about slinging chairs, um, they were not uh, going to provide those resources to me. And I actually mm. was a client uh, at Lucian before I um, drank so much Kool-Aid that I couldn't leave anymore. Um, but I, I thought it out on my own, uh, invested my own time and, and dollars in making that happen for myself. And it was the best decision that I've ever made for my career. And I think a lot of salespeople struggle with that a little bit. They think that, um, their organizations should provide their resources to them to show yeah. that they care or, or are vested in them. And I hear some salespeople using it as an excuse to not get the help that is out there. Like, well, my company won't pay for it. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, are you letting your company run your whole life over there? Come on. Don't yeah. you don't you want to get better, faster, stronger, make some more money? And, and are you not going to be beholden to your company to do that? Um, so I think that's a good point. It's equivalent of of the rep that's not hitting quota saying the leads suck. Well, then go yeah, get yeah. some that's go right. get some leads. Yeah, that's do exactly some prospecting. Right. You yep. know, um, that's the way I like to look at it. Um, so let's let's talk about this topic that I know you love talking about, and probably the hardest part is going to probably you know at some point we're going to have to cut it off because we're going to have too much fun. But yeah. it's not all about you. What does that mean for an individual contributor? What do you see? in reps 
that are struggling with that piece, what are some of the common things that they're doing and what can they do to sort of change their mindset around that? That's a lot. Um, So I I think a a common rule that I repeat often, the Sandler rule, sales is not a place to get your needs met. Hmm. I'm going to say it again. It's not all about my commission check. (laughs) Or or whether people like you. I'm in the wrong wrong profession. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It it sounds cool to get commission and and it is, uh, but it's, it's not a place to get your needs met. So whether that's emotional needs or financial needs or, or whatever, if you come into it with that mentality, you will exhibit a lot of um, not cute behaviors. It will be, desperate and pushy and aggressive and not listening and not curious. So all of the things that that are really um, attributed to bad salespeople or stereotypical bad salespeople uh, is because they're putting themselves first in any transaction. And I mean transaction as a, as a human-to-human conversation, not necessarily a dollars transaction. Um, but it's, it's pretty obvious when the people that make it about them uh, are, are getting some results like that. It's like, well, yeah, because no one wants to be around you. <laughs> no one mm. wants to talk to you, let alone give you their money. Um, I'm sure so, you've, you've experienced someone like that before. Oh, yeah. And that's, that is, that's actually, that, that's more than a sales problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, and it shows up in really sneaky ways, right? It's not always the commission breath thing that um, is a need that salespeople have. Dave Curlin, uh, God amongst men when it comes to sales, uh, talks about five hidden weaknesses. And there are a few in there that have to do with getting your needs met. And the the biggest one that uh, salespeople struggle with is a need for approval. So that's my Mm. need for you to like me as opposed to respect me and, you know, do business with me. And so we don't push back in conversations. Ooh, yeah, that one can uh, get because, you in a lot of trouble. Yeah, we don't want you to be mad. We don't want you to think that we're pushy or aggressive. Yeah, uh, yeah we can do that. We can give you that concession. Sure, you, we don't need to cer- sign a term. Sure, we can throw in those extra things. Yeah, sure, absolutely. I think we fix that. We have that feature. Like or those I'll are the sort you, of things yeah, that can I'll happen. Yeah, I'll let you dictate to me the scope. <laughs> yeah. Sure, you or, can go through that hey, with what, a red what pen. Should the pro- you tell me, what, what should the process look like? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's, and that's out of a place of wanting to get my own, being more concerned that you won't like me than what's right. And so that's still trying to get a need met. Um, Mm. He talks about emotional involvement, uh, which is not being able to be present in a conversation because you're listening to the chatter up in your own head. We've all been there. Even if, even if randomly someone who's not in sales is listening to this podcast, if you've ever been in a fight with your spouse and they're making a really great point and you're like, bah, well, oh, it definitely yeah. happened some other time. Where I can't remember it right now. <laughs> yeah. Because you you are in a place where nothing is firing like it's supposed to be because you're listening to your own, oh gosh, what should I say next? What question should I ask next? Where are they going with this? Same thing in a sales call. And again, that could be because you have a need for validation. Maybe you don't want anybody to think you're stupid. So you feel like you've got to have all the right answers or who knows, right? Mm, um, yeah, but again, I mean- in in that in that situation, that's com- that's a common one, and and takes a lot of practice to be a great active listener, yep. right? To actually be taking in and even you know even trying to you know have some empathy for whatever it is they're talking about, like understanding what they're saying and processing it, rather than thinking about the next 
widget or feature or accolade or thing that you think you're supposed to tell them that's in your script or playbook. Um, and, and so you just got to tell that to shut up and like, listen and pay attention and maybe even hit mute and like take good notes so you can refer back to them and review those calls, review those meetings. Like, Hey, did I miss anything? You know, could I ask a better question there? Um, and so it takes practice of sometimes actually just like doing a crappy job and then seeing it and then being aware of it so that you can actually make the necessary changes to do a better job. hundred percent. Yep. So, totally agree. so these are some of the symptoms that you see mm-hmm. in sellers that are trying to put their needs before their prospect or their customer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, and, you what know, is, and you mentioned another one about cold calling or prospecting. Um, Lots of people feel uncomfortable cold calling um, yeah. or whatever prospecting behavior. There, lots of people feel uncomfortable asking their existing clients for referrals. It's not just mm. cold calling, right? There are a lot of yeah. behaviors that people feel uncomfortable uh, doing. And you know, I, I always ask people like, "Who said it was up to you? Are, do you believe that your product and service and or service will help people out there, and that there are people out there that need your help?" They always answer yes. And I ask like, well, why is it your choice that they cannot receive that help because you refuse to pick up the phone or you refuse to ask for a referral? You're directly standing in the way of someone getting that help because someone's out there waiting for you to call or waiting to be referred, but you're so concerned about how it makes you feel that you're not willing to do that. And it's another way to serve yourself as opposed to someone else. Mm, And so that's a big mind shift for, for sellers to actually view it from that lens. Yeah. How does somebody that maybe doesn't see it that way kind of shift their mind to, to, to view it? Like I owe it to these prospects to help them or to serve them or to help them solve these problems that I'm hopefully passionate about solving for people. Um, yeah. and, and stop making it so much about them where it's like, oh, I'm com- uncomfortable. I'm scared. I don't, f- you know, I don't like the way it feels when I ask that. I don't want to bother them. Where all these things and excuses that they tell themselves um, to not serve at the highest level to people and make it less about themselves. I'm a big fan of journaling. I'm sure someone has spoken on this podcast about journaling in the past um, because it is a vital sales tool that I think is uh, underappreciated as a sales tool. Um, But I used to, if I would ever get in a situation where um, I felt uncomfortable in a moment uh, from a prospecting perspective, maybe it was a person specific you know, entity, maybe it was a a behavior. Um, I would get my journal out and I would write in my journal, I am not a selfish person because that's true of me. I am not a selfish person. I may be showing up in those moments in fear and thus turning inward and becoming selfish momentarily, Mm. certainly. Uh, But reminding myself that I am not a selfish person and I got into this business because I'm in the business of changing lives and I don't get to dictate whether or not that happens. I've already committed to that. That's a that's a definitely going to happen. So reminding myself that um, I, that's not who I am at my character, like core, was very helpful for me. Um, I know other people um, journal. There's someone out there that needs my help. They're just waiting for my call. Um, so there's a lot of affirmations that you can do from a journaling perspective, or if you're not a visual or kinesthetic person, maybe you just say them out loud to yourself in your car. There are plenty of conversations I've had with myself, like a lunatic in the car on the way to <laughs> sales calls, right? Uh, cause sometimes you just need to hear it. 
Um, can you can you share can you record some of those next time and and then share them with us so we can drop it yeah. for an exclusive episode? Absolutely, that is uh, not entertaining to anyone, but sure. <laughs> sure <laughs> you know, I mean, we all do it, right? Whether we want to admit it or not, if you're a human being, like you've had those conversations for sure. Uh, I love journaling, um, and and I like journaling. I journal in the day and journal at night, but I love the idea of just like boom, I don't like the way I'm feeling right now or fear's coming up or I'm feeling selfish or whatever the case is and just you know, write that out right there on the spot to shift the mindset because it's really easy to get into a funk and like then you bring that energy into the next sales call or the next prospecting call and then your whole day is a you know just a pile up of shitty calls because you didn't address that. Yeah, exactly. I think another thing that's really helpful in, in my world and I think anybody's world um, if you do give a shit about what you're doing uh, as a salesperson, you inevitably have an inbox or text messages from clients that say, oh my gosh, thank you so much. This has changed XYZ for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, if I'm feeling like Ooh, about prospecting or if I have clients that are, um, and I want to encourage them to get out of that I call it, it's like a shit shift. You got to get out of the shit. You got to shift out of it. So let's do a shit shift uh, exercise. Um, Pull up all of the emails and texts that you have. Hopefully you keep a folder of them that are rave reviews or, or gratitude from clients past. Now, how can you read those and think, I refuse to find anybody else that I can help in this manner. It's impossible. At least, at least for me, it's impossible. Um, I just really start to feel more and more a sense of responsibility um, to, to reach out to folks who, who may need the help too. That's a nice hack. I, I love that. So any positive feedback you've gotten from customers, prospects, save that in a good place to, when you need to tap into it for a shit shift. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that is <laughs> and a, keep a journal everywhere. So I don't, I used to be like a day and night journal person too. Yeah. Um, I'm not a very good process routine person. I, I, who knows what I'm doing. Ooh, that might be what we get day. into it about. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> so I could be anywhere. Right. And I have to have a journal wherever I am. <clears throat> so I have several journals. I have one in the door of my car. I have one at my desk at home. I have one at my desk here. I, random place. Every bag I own has a journal in it. Um, and that's because to your point early, like anytime it starts to hit me and I'm like, no, 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 no. I got to get a journal out and like scribble this crap out of my brain. Um, and I, I also have various ways of journaling depending on what I'm going through. Do you journal the same way all the time? Um, I do. Or do I do you... for the most part. I yeah, rarely freestyle. I'm a process habit yeah. creature. <laughs> Uh, so I follow like a very militant format. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, and every once in a while I'll freestyle, but I did recently buy an extra journal to have one at the office. So I have one at nice. home and I have one at the office. So I'm halfway mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah. you, you've already dropped two nice hacks, this journaling hack and, and the, you know, the shit shift. So yep. we're, and we're just getting warmed up here, sales hustlers. So stay yeah. tuned. So um, just real quick, I know you're going to move on to a really awesome yeah. question and I hate to interrupt you, but for my, for my friends out there who are in sales, who are not militant structured people, because, um, a lot of them are not, <laughs> uh, sometimes I hear that journaling is like challenging because day in and day out, I am affirmation statements are just not helpful <laughs> or in a really dark, deep slump. It's really mm-hmm. hard for people to be like, 
I am the best salesperson ever. I'm, I imagine everybody has that voice. Or I'm, I am not a selfish person and maybe you're feeling like you are, right? Yeah, right, right. Um, so having various ways to journal, I, I don't know if we have time to get into all the specifics, but um, I have a, a different like modality of journaling for my clients dependent upon where they are. Um, and so with your net, we'll just go with the really deep, dark, slump that we've all yeah. absolutely experienced. Worst case scenario. Yeah. Worst case scenario <laughs> when you're desperately line. reaching for a journal. Yeah. Yeah. Or a, a napkin or piece of paper, anything you have to write some shit down on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, fully believe and have seen a really miraculous change in keeping a success journal. So mm. in those moments of deep darkness, uh, if you can just find one thing during the day that you did successfully and then write about that. So I would say like, pick the thing that you did. Yeah. Um, if someone were standing next to you, what would they have said? Or if, if someone witnessed it, what did they say? Um, how did it make you feel? That's it. Like just those three things for 30 days. Typically people don't need it for 30 days because the thing that it does, and maybe I shouldn't give you the hack, but I'm already talking. Uh, the thing that it does is shifts your perception, right? So you, yeah. you inevitably by day three or four are looking for the thing that's going to be the success that you write about that day. And invariably you're creating more and more opportunities for that to happen because you know, you got to write about it. Um, so it's awesome. It's an, it's an awesome way to, it's another shit shift. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, a tip that I picked up from, somebody that I interviewed, William Deck, who's a, a mindset coach, um, is just journaling in future, future state, like future, you know, so instead of like saying I am, or I want this or whatever, like just as if it ever happened and then really sitting in like what that feels like. Um, yeah. and so I've been, a, I've been really enjoying that, um, since I've implemented it. Um, but all right. So I kind of forgot what I was going to ask you, Sorry, but, but I like the journal topic. Um, if you're not doing that, so because here's the 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 big thing here, uh, sales hustlers, is, and I learned this a long time ago. In order to be better in sales, generally, it's not necessarily always oh, I got to be a better closer. I got to be a prospector. Like it's really an inside job. It's personal work. Like I found the more I invested in myself personally in these sort of habits and things that we're talking about right now, like sales became to a better place where I was serving. I was passionate about what I was doing. I was confident. I, you know, was able to hit my goals and all of those sort of things that come with, you know, that sort of success that you might be looking for in sales. It's not just sharpening the tools that you have. It's really investing in yourself and being a better version of yourself in order to be a better professional version of yourself. Yeah, a hundred percent. And uh, as you know, I am um, a Sandler sales coach, trainer, uh, aficionado. Um, but Sandler has a principle called the success triangle. And you can put whatever you want in the middle of the success triangle. Success is it's determined by you. It could be sales. It could be losing weight. It could be, doesn't matter. Um, there are three equal components to that triangle. And they are behavior, attitude, and technique. Um, and attitude uh, resides at the top of that triangle, not because mm. it's most important or the angle is bigger. It's an isosceles triangle, <laughs> um, but because it has the power to drive both behavior and technique. So if your attitude is not one of commitment to helping others or serving others, your behavior is going to suffer. 
because mm. the behavior is hard. It's not easy, right? We're not running and burning buildings and saving human lives. It's not that hard, yeah. uh, but it requires rejection and vulnerability and all the ugh, stuff that people don't get into sales because they don't want to have to feel on a daily basis. Um, and then technique, if you're not convicted in your mindset from a technique perspective, you could hear every technique in the book, but if you don't think it's going to work or you're not capable of pulling it off, it's not going to go well. Um, so attitude drives both behavior and technique. But um, I'm sure that you have behaved your way out of some really crappy mindset in the past as well. So while attitude can drive behavior, behavior begets attitude. Uh, it's like when you have gone to the gym in the past and it's like a, you live in a beautiful place. I live in a place that is probably rainy and gray and humid and dark too early all the time. Except for uh, a couple it sounds months like you summer. need a shit shift now. I do. You're right. <laughs> Where's your journal? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I can change the weather patterns of the Midwest, but I will do it. Maybe. Right. Who knows? Um, I'm pretty powerful. So, uh, inevitably at the end of the day, when you pull up to the gym, uh, when we used to go to the gym, uh, often and what, you're what's, experiencing, a, what's a gym. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, when you're experiencing all of that and you're at the end of the day, you're like, Oh my God, I don't want to do this. I am tired. I can think of 18 different excuses and yeah. or a, a white claw is it is in my fridge <laughs> calling my name or, or whatever it is that sounds easier. We've all been in that place. Uh, yeah. And I don't have a gym that I go to anymore. I just have a Peloton upstairs, but still happens. Doesn't really matter. Uh, but for whatever reason, right, because you're committed, uh, you walk in or you hop on your bike or your whatever and you get it done. When you're leaving or, or entering another room, you are in a much better place. You're like, hell yeah, yeah I'm, I'm the boss. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad I did that. Your yeah. attitude is completely different. The same thing uh, in selling. So you can behave your way out of it. If you just grind it out, uh, inevitably you will feel better. But I think a big mistake that people make is waiting until they're excited to pick up the phone or they're, you know, motivated. To Keep waiting. Keep yeah. waiting. <laughs> You'll be waiting for a long time. Right, right. Not everybody's yeah. as weird as me who gets fired up about prospecting. Yeah. Most people aren't, honestly. But um, no, yeah, I love that example of the gym because it really helps put it into perspective. Like, oh, okay. Because I think a lot of people can relate to that, right? Yeah. I can't do gym at the end of the day or work out. That just, it's, it's tough. I have to do yeah. a beginning, beginning of the day works better for me mm -hmm. um, because then that does get me in that positive, feeling good mindset to like, okay, I'm ready to go to the office and kick some ass now. Yeah, absolutely. And secretly, I also do mine in the morning now. But um, back in the day when I was a uh, single mom and had to get kiddo to daycare in the morning and be at the office by eight, it was definitely a skirt out at four o'clock and get it done because there was no other time it was going to happen. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So what you're saying, uh, for all the sales hustlers that are like, okay, I think I can do that is basically, you know, you can basically just go into action and like get yourself out of that, you know, funk. Like you will feel better yeah. if you're just taking action, um, rather than like waiting to feel good to take action. Yeah. But to your point, like cultivate that mindset every day. Uh, it is something that you can't get lazy on because it, it, starts to trickle in and then it starts to pour in and then it floods in and you're drowning. Mm. Um, so making sure that you are um, doing your best to maintain a positive mindset or a productive mindset um, on a daily basis is very important. 
So what are some tips you have for sellers to maintain a positive mindset where action is not so difficult or challenging? Yeah. Um, so many things, all of these things flood to my mind. So number one, um, I think part of the problem with feeling like drowning is not having a plan for your day. Um, so while I may be in several different places and not have the militant structure that you do, <laughs> I have a plan every day on how many outreaches I'm going to make, how many referrals I'm going to ask for. Um, I've, I've got a pretty stacked calendar with, with clients and coaching and training uh, and, and strategy consultant work. Um, but I have every week, I know exactly how many outreaches I need to make to hit my goal. That is my either monthly goal or yearly goal, mm -hmm. long-term, short-term. I got all the goals. Right? Um, so having a formula for that because clarity brings energy. I think when people are really like, Oh, I haven't done anything. And I'm saying that from my, I'm not making fun of anyone. That is my voice saying, well, I feel like such a loser. I haven't done enough. It's because I didn't have clarity on what I should be doing because without clarity, what, what do you, there's no step to take. There is no energy to do anything because you don't know what you're running toward or away from. So having clarity on those short-term and long-term goals is, is definitely part of the process so that you can, you can charge forward with that forward momentum, which then breeds a positive mindset in and of itself. When you feel good about what you're doing um, and productive and not like an imposter in your role uh, and you're actually helping people, that tends to help your mindset quite a bit. What What about for the sellers that are like, maybe not totally passionate about what they're doing or haven't gotten to a place where they're feel like I'm serving, I'm helping. I love doing this. It's, it's my duty to find more people that need what I do. Yeah. Um, I, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever been in a role like that? Yeah. When? Um, probably earlier on with other, you know, when I was selling things like that, I just didn't care about that much that were very transactional, not yeah. very complex. Um, you know, the, the, the relationship with people were very transactional as well. Um, but I found like, I had to like dig really deep to find a bigger reason of like, you know, um, I, I grew up really poor as a kid and was raised by a single mom. So I had like bigger reasons of why I did what I did and, and why I showed up every day and was the first one in last one out and came in on Saturdays to get my list ready. So I had to like dig deep to find like personal reasons of why I could get passionate about what I was doing. Yeah. But, um, so that's, that's definitely a, a good way to start. But, you know, I think also a, a good suggestion is like, maybe you're not doing the right thing. Like maybe you need to consider some other options as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I was curious because I shared my story earlier about I wasn't passionate about chairs, right? It wasn't the chairs. But lots of people are. And a lot of designers would like punch me right now. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> it all matters. To me, it didn't. I, I wasn't a materialistic person when it came to furniture. Um, I, I liked the brand. I thought it was a good brand, but I wasn't going to die on the hill for the brand. Mm -hmm. right? It didn't have anything to do with that. Um, but I knew that creating spaces where people wanted to work instead of where they had to work would bring someone joy, right? And if I could be a part of that, and if I could be a part of being an ambassador of saying, no, don't, don't put this product here because that's not actually going to help anybody. Think about them on a daily basis. Think about how they're going to use this product. How is this really going to support and benefit them? Like being their champion when they weren't in the room, 
yeah. uh, was was really what mattered to me. So knowing that I I may never meet this person that's affected by their workspace right, or their chair. Uh, my husband has had several back surgeries. I know how important a chair is to him. So there were just ways to find um, how I was imparting a, a, a difference or, or a piece of joy in someone's day that didn't have anything to do with the product itself. And so if you can do that, absolutely. I think that's what you're saying too, is, is find something that makes it personal uh, yeah. to you. And if you can't, absolutely. If you don't have joy in, in what you're doing from a selling perspective, that's going to show. Um, and it's going to require so much energy and effort of you throughout the day that you're going to be exhausted when you get home and have nothing left to give to the people that actually matter in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you don't have a ton of those, like, you know, messages from clients, like you mentioned, right. Mm -hmm. Which you can go and like seek those out, you know, oh, yeah. like ask some clients like, Hey, why did you go with us? Like, why did you think we were the best option? You know, who else did you consider? And like, get some of that positive feedback. Cause that will fuel some passion of like, Hey, this is awesome. I'm actually really helping people in a way that maybe I didn't even realize. Yeah. That's a great idea. Absolutely. All right. Awesome. Emily, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I really enjoyed this topic. Unfortunately, we didn't find anything to argue or debate about. So next maybe time. next time. Um, <laughs> but before we wrap it up, just let folks know any final thoughts. Uh, let our sales hustlers know where they can find out more and follow you as well. Yeah. Final thoughts are, um, while, while it is helpful to be passionate about what you're doing and believe in what you're doing and be convicted in it and committed to it, it's not an outlet for you to get your needs met on an emotional level, right? Uh, mm. There's too much rejection involved in this game. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, there's, it, it has to be about the other person on the other side of the table and helping them as opposed to serving what you need from for you. Um, and you can find uh, lots of information about me at lucian.com. Uh, I am one of the heads under the options for searching out consultants. Um, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Thanks again, Emily. And if you enjoyed today's episode, write us a review, share it with your friends. And as always, we're listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out. And if you feel that you are ready set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.